Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Bonnie Trichel. Bonnie, are you ready to do this? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to have you on. Bonnie is the co-founder and chief operations officer at Zuna, a national finance and benefit consulting firm. And uh, I think it, it, it's it's worth mentioning that we are both up at 6 a.m. doing this podcast. So I don't think that that happens all, all that often. So, Bonnie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure, yeah. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from the Midwest and made my way to the West Coast uh, for law school and then have never made my way back to the Midwest. So I'm excited to be um here speaking to you about kind of my passion, which is taking really, you know, big, big plan solutions or big retirement plan solutions, and then bringing them down market to small and mid-sized businesses so that small business owners can incorporate a compliant uh, 401k program or uh, for nonprofits, a 403b program into their benefits package. So, um, you know, just like everyone else who is in the retirement plan space, I basically fell into it after law school and have really enjoyed that practice of helping people incorporate a retirement program uh, for their employees. And so I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Um, a little bit about my personal life uh, in my spare time. I enjoy things like bike riding and running and hiking and volunteering for Make-A-Wish. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. So big plan solutions down to, to smaller organizations. So what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, a lot of times, really big retirement plans, uh, they have a lot of resources. And so I like to take those and through technology, bring them to smaller business owners so that they have that same opportunity uh, to have a retirement plan, even though they might not have a huge HR department or a huge finance department, for example. Um, one of the other things I've been focusing a lot on more recently is also this concept of ESG and ESG investing. And um, through the 401k plan, how you can incorporate environmental, social, and governance into your investment lineup. So um, that's another passion of mine that I talk to clients about in the retirement plan space. Nice. Appreciate that. So is that, that you're able to take, um, to take a lot of the benefits that, that big organizations have because they have more resources down to small organizations that don't have the same kind of resources. Is that just via technology and, and, and improvements that have happened? Yeah, great, great question. So you can take it through technology and then streamlining a lot of the processes and trying to shift some of the fiduciary responsibility from the small business owner 
to um, an organization such as an RIA, such as myself, also through the use of the record keeper and a lot of their technology. If you streamline a lot of those processes, it gives the small business owner an opportunity to have a retirement plan in a compliant way that they might not have otherwise done so. Got it. Yeah, it is. It is a lot to ask a, a smaller organization. Hey, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put in place this this super complicated thing, and then you're going to keep an eye on it to make sure that you're doing everything correctly, um, just in, in 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 kind of your spare time. Yeah, exactly. Because you know they have a business to run. They're thinking about profitability, keeping their doors open. Particularly right now, um, there's a lot of other things going on for the small and mid-sized business owner. So it's thinking of ways to streamline it, make it really simple. Um, don't add too many bells and whistles. Just think about how to keep it simple for uh, the business owner so that they don't have to uh, spend all their time on adding this extra benefit or worrying about the liability associated with it. They can just keep it really simple and offer this benefit to employees so that they can be saving for their future. Yeah. And that's a that's it's a huge problem, obviously, that, that you're working to address that there's so many smaller organizations in the United States that employ a huge percentage of people that then don't have access to retire just a, 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 a 401k at work or a 403b so uh just i think that we probably had this conversation on the show um but how how, how many people are we talking about you know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the coverage gap, I think, you know, it's huge. And there's a variety of different, I know you've had guests on your show before um, who've talked about the coverage gap and the various ways to address it. Um, so, for example, the SECURE Act, which passed at the end of last year, has provisions, uh, things such as the tax credit that you can get from starting a retirement plan. Um, that's one way they're seeking to address it. So small business owner starts a plan. There's a much larger tax credit that's now available for starting a plan. Um, we have things like the state-run plans. So those are starting to pop up in various states, Oregon, uh, California, other states. They're creating these state-mandated auto IRAs. So that's another way to address the coverage gap. But um, there's still a, a large problem of not enough people having a workplace retirement plan. And so there's a variety of ways. And, and again, that's something I'm trying to, through my colleagues, address of making it easy to have a plan so that more business owners will want to do it. Um, there's the longevity issue as well of making sure people save enough once they have the plan. But I think we're really trying to address the let's make sure enough people get access to a plan. Yeah. First things first, Bonnie. <laughs> so um, and, and then ESG, um, I think that uh, I, I, I know that more and more people are interested in in doing ESG investments, being socially conscious, in just having an impact with with everything that they really can and certainly money that, that, that their investments could be a big part of that but there have always been a lot of barriers to having that type of investments inside of a retirement plan why is that yep. great question i think there's a lot of different barriers that people perceive as it relates to the defined contribution plan. So one would be the regulatory aspect. So if you're an employer and you're thinking about your fiduciary responsibility as it relates to the plan, the perception has been, and, and rightfully so, not just necessarily a perception, but it's that 
with different administrations over time, the regulations have shifted back and forth. I use the term, it's ping-ponged back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so different administrations, it's, it's a political hot button, right? Um, and we're seeing it again with the most recent proposed rule from um, this administration around use of ESG in the retirement plan. But it goes back and forth that Yes, you can use ESG factors. No, you can't use ESG factors. And I should clarify when I say you can't use ESG factors, it's never been that you can't use ESG factors uh, for, for your analysis of the investments in the plan, but it's a harsher, it's the it's perceived that you can't use ESG factors because right now, for example, this administration, um, they, they want clearer documentation of the ESG factors and they make it very clear that the financial factors have to come first and ESG factors have to come second. So I think that's one of the big barriers is that there's this perception that from a regulatory standpoint, you can't do it. But I would clarify that's not the case. I think the second barrier would be um, the lack of data historically. So there wasn't good data to show that the performance, you know, we had didn't have enough of a historical record to show that there was good performance or that ESG could actually outperform non-ESG investment options, for example. So I think now there is more data to show, hey, we've had these ESG funds long enough. They are performing well. They're performing well in you know times of a, a down market, that sort of thing. So I think the data is also becoming more available and better. Uh, so I think those are two of the things that were probably barriers that are now um, becoming, the, the regulatory hasn't been addressed, <laughs> but um, it's becoming better talked about and people are starting to understand it more. The third factor I think would be just the misinformation around ESG. And so I have been talking to advisors about throw out everything you know about ESG. And what I mean by that is people think about ESG and they think, oh, this is about sin stocks or, or you know, the one, the one bad thing or, or inclusion of the one good thing. But if you really think about ESG from an integration standpoint, it's an overlay to your entire investment process. And so I guess the barrier to me would be the misinformation around ESG and reorienting to ESG integration as a new process going forward. Got so it. those are three main barriers in my mind. For the first one, what is what 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 was really the wisdom behind it? Like it seems like this is something we could all agree on, but obviously that's 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 not necessarily the case. So, yeah, uh, it seems like we could all agree on it. I think um, the political nature of it, I think, makes it um, a big issue. If you look at, so we had a proposed rule over the summer from this administration. So. Historically, it's always been sub-regulatory guidance. And what that means is the Department of Labor would put out like um, a field assistance bulletin, for example. And this time we had um, a, pro a proposed rule to actually um, change on ERISA. 
uh, related to ESG. And now we're awaiting probably even this week, maybe hmm. a final rule. And if you look at the rule, there's a preamble and it has just tons and tons of political posturing and then only five pages of the actual rule. So it's it was an opportunity for, you know, there were thousands of comments about this rule and from senators, you know, so lots of congressmen, it just became a real political issue. And so I think if you took out all the politics and really just looked at what it was trying to accomplish, <laughs> we could all agree on it, right? Yeah. If we just looked at like the numbers and the math and what it was actually trying to accomplish, we probably could all agree, but it's really become a political issue. That's interesting. And I, I have to imagine that, that first and foremost, making a change in ERISA is probably a, a challenging thing, just fundamentally. Yeah, there's a lot of steps and it's a really formal process as opposed to before, you know, the DOL just putting out the sub-regulatory guidance. Yes. Got it. And then everybody wants to chime in. Yes. For, for, for every number of reasons. All right. Fair enough. Well, that's that, that should be interesting to see what, what, what actually happens to that. And then in regard to, to the data and probably the misinformation, those are probably probably correlated. Um, so the data is coming in and saying that because probably the misinformation used to be that the performance is is not as good as just traditional and tra- traditional investing approach. Absolutely. I think the notion was if you invest in ESG, that means you will give up investment returns. Mm. You know, you're going to be giving up performance for ESG. And I think what we're seeing now is that's not necessarily the case. You know, perhaps there might be some ESG funds that underperform, but there may also be some ESG funds that have outperformed. Um, when there was the the dip earlier this year, um, you know, the data shows that ESG um, held up very nice nicely and also outperformed in many instances. Now, you do have some fund companies who will admit that their ESG funds, uh, perhaps it's they can't show that it is the ESG that is the causation of the outperformance, um, but that it is outperforming. So there is data to support that the ESG does not mean you are giving up performance. And so I think historically, I've just heard so many comments, both from employers and advisors. Oh, if I if I go the ESG route, I have to give up performance. And I think we're seeing now that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I can see how that would just be sort of a talking point that you keep kind of kicking the can down the road, saying that over and over again. And I imagine that makes you want to pull your hair out. So (laughs) anyway, so when when an organization decides to put a 401k in place, part of their responsibility is to then put investments inside of the 401k that are that are appropriate and suitable and there is a for lack of a better term a, a legal mix that has to go in yes that's it. so why not could you simply it's not like you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and only doing esg couldn't you have that traditional lineup that has to go inside a plan and then also offer esg options yeah so that's a great point and that's kind of so a couple of comments there. One, um, 
there are what I'll call ESG branded funds. So, you know, XYZ sustainability option. And to your point, absolutely. Um, I think both under the current guidance from 2018, which is a field assistance bulletin, as well as even the proposed rule as it stands today, your point is well taken that you could absolutely have your fund lineup, so your designated investment alternatives, and then on top of that, you could add XYZ sustainability option as, or and you could have two or three of those as a stand beside to your current investment options, so long as they still met your normal investment screening process. So if you had an investment policy statement and those additional sustainability options met your investment policy criteria, there would be nothing wrong with that. That would be absolutely fine. They would still have to make sure that they're meeting your IPS and that criteria, but that would work. Where there is a distinction is what is called the QDIA or Qualified Default Investment Alternative. And that's where the Department of Labor has drawn a distinction and said that as to the QDIA or that default option, where so if you have a participant who they don't otherwise make an election, and this often happens if the plan has automatic enrollment, then that's where the DOL has said, no, that couldn't be your XYZ sustainability option. And so that's where I think the Department of Labor in this proposed rule kind of got off track when they said, yes, you know, because they didn't really define ESG, for example. Mm -hmm. And then they said, it's okay in the, the fund lineup or the DIAs, but it's not okay in the QDIA or rather the default option. And so um, it's, it's a little confusing as to why it could be the DIAs, but not the default or QDIA, right. if, if it still met all of your investment policy statement, right? But your point is well taken that that would be okay. The distinction too is that you could have these kind of standalone XYZ sustainability, I'll call it branded uh, ESG options, but you could also just have ESG is an overlay to all of your funds, except for the QDIA. Mm. So it's just an additional process, uh, or I'll call it the icing on the cake, so to speak, of you have your regular IPS, you know, we're going to check for these things. And then on top of that, you have your ESG, so your kind of governance and social screens on top of it. So that could be an overlay of all of those DIAs, if that makes sense, as opposed to just kind of three branded additional funds. Got it. I appreciate that. So for the the organizations that are listening, that they're, they're a small to medium-sized company and they don't have a ton of resources, but they're socially conscious people, they have employees that ask them about including these kinds of investments inside of the plan, um, what what would you share with them or well, I, I, I would say advice to them, but that's probably a dangerous term. <laughs> where, where would you direct those people to, 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 to find more guidance? Yeah, great point. So uh, we won't give investment advice. on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I think one option is that they should talk to their investment advisor and just start asking the questions about 
what do you do around ESG? Um, and I think I probably failed to even define ESG at the beginning of environmental, social, and governance. I always skip right past that and make the assumption that you everyone- covered that. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so, you know, they should start by just talking to their investment advisor and asking, what do you offer or what what screens do you use for ESG options? If those um, organizations don't have an investment advisor and perhaps they're using something that's really technology forward, um, just going straight to you know the record keeper themselves, I would ask even the record keeper in our fund lineup uh, that, that you've provided in this package, what ESG options do you have or what screens do you have on that? Um, you know, the other thing is there's a lot of publicly available resources now. And so looking at things like Morningstar, um, they have now a rating that you can check out. And so I think just going on again, um, that's probably a lot of information for a smaller mid-sized employer to look at on their own. So using some sort of investment advisor would be best. But looking at things like Morningstar or um, As You Sow, some of those types of organizations, they have a lot of resources for looking that up. Nice. I appreciate that. Excellent. Well, Bonnie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Difference-making tip today would be, you know, ESG is important, but the most important thing is to look into just providing some sort of 401k plan or 403b plan for your employees. Um, providing that opportunity for coverage is just the most important so that people can start saving early uh, because the earlier they have the opportunity to save, the better off they're going to be in the future. Like that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. Bonnie, thank, 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 thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and how do people engage with Zuna? Wonderful. Um, so, you know, actively on LinkedIn, uh, lots of material that's publicly available to follow. Um, I can be reached at Bonnie at TeamZuna.com. And also on the website, uh, teamzuna.com. So it's been so great to speak to you this morning. Uh, really excited to talk about ESG and how that can continue to make a difference and how we can continue to work together um, as a community to address the coverage gap. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bonnie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can shoot Bonnie an email and I will list that in the notes of the show. What was the website again, Bonnie? Team Zuna, Z is in zebra, U-N-A dot com. Go to teamzuna.com. Check out everything that they're working on and all the great resources. Thanks again, Bonnie. Thanks. Have a great day. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.